right, it's good to be out this evening, in the middle of the week, that booster shot that I always need in the middle of the week. But if you would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9. Kind of ironically, I mean, I've uh, been on time about uh, the song Amazing Love, and, uh, and that's what I titled the message for tonight. Uh, amazing love, but you know every message in the Word of God could be titled "Amazing Love," and it probably won't be. I probably used that title before. I'll probably use it again, and I'd hate to think that if I ever went looking through uh, like a catalog for messages and I typed in "Amazing Love," and ten of them popped up, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" I should have said "Amazing Love One," "Amazing Love Two." Uh, but anyway, just in review, uh, last time in chapter 7, remember David had conquered all his enemies on every side. He was on the west, there against the Philistines. He was on the east. Uh, he was on the south. He was up north. Uh, conquered all of them. Now in verse 1, and we'll ask the Lord to bless his word. Father, we do pray that you will bless tonight, Lord, and we pray that you'll help us to realize this amazing love. Lord, what a love. How can it be? We pray that you'll give us more insight into it again tonight, Lord, that we'll, we'll learn more of it. We'll, it'll grow on us and in us. And Lord, it'll just bless us over and over as we think about what you've done for us. Lord, I just pray that you'll forgive me of my sins, Lord, and just pray that you'll be exalted in it all. In Christ's name, amen. Second Samuel. Second Samuel. Did I say First Samuel? I am so sorry. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? David has been very busy for a number of years fighting his enemies, and he's conquered them all, all on every side. And now he's finally got time to kind of sit back and think about things. And just ponder about the goodness of God. He's got time to think about all that God has done for him. He has time now to think about his best friend Jonathan that is now gone. Has been gone for a number of years. Uh, 15 years or so. He has time to think about the covenant that they made with each other. Remember in chapter 7, David was thinking about building God a house. A house. Uh, a permanent residence for the ark of God to stay in. Because David said, I've got a beautiful house and I need, I want to build something for God. And God says, that's not my plans right now. That'll happen, but in my time. He said, now this is what I'm going to do for you. If you will, just in a course of review, quick review, First Samuel chapter 20. As we want to talk about this covenant between David, he says here, he's doing this for Jonathan's sake. He wants to show kindness to someone. But in chapter 20, 1 Samuel, verse 12, it says, And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow, any time, or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, 
and I then send not unto thee, and show it thee. The Lord do so much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee, and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he hath been with my father. And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And if we skip down to verse 23, and it says here, And as touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of, behold, the Lord be between thee and me forever. And verse 42 of the same chapter says, And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So Jonathan and David have this covenant. Now Jonathan is gone, but David still wants to show kindness to the house of Saul. You remember in in First uh, Samuel twenty four, you remember when because he made a covenant with Saul too. I don't think Saul made the covenant back, but it was kind of a one way deal. But he he told David, you remember David cut off his skirt, and he says, David, I want you to promise me that you'll not cut off my heritage. And David said, you've got it. That won't happen. I won't kill off your heritage. But in verse two of chapter nine of Second Samuel, it says. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. What he's saying is, is yes, sir. Because we see that in verse 11 when he answers David again. He says, Yes, Lord. Now, Ziba was Saul's servant earlier before when Saul was alive. So he would know if anybody was left. He's the one person that would truly know if there was any left of Saul's family and where they were at. Verse 3, it says, And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show, show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. He said, Yes, there is a son uh, of Jonathan. He's a crippled man. Now, just to kind of give you a reference on that, you all probably know the story very well. We were in it in, uh, in uh, chapter 4 there of Second Samuel. You remember the, we'll just call her Miss Nanny. It was his nurse. It was the, the woman that took care of him. Uh, so Miss Nanny has found out that, that uh, Jonathan and Saul have been killed. And she says, I got to get this son out of here or they'll want to kill him. So she takes off with him. Now, I don't know. I don't know whether he fell down the steps and injured his legs that way. A lot of people say that the nanny was carrying him and she fell on him. I, I don't know uh, what the case was, but at any rate, he ends up from a fall of being crippled. So, and it's a permanent situation. It says in here, uh, several times you'll hear it repeat as lame in both feet. 
and he was five years old at that time when that happened. Now, this is 15 or 16 years later. But, you know, Miss Nanny had the best intentions for him. You know, she actually perhaps saved his life in, in, a, in a sense. But, you know, as parents, sometimes we have the best intentions for our children, too. You know, and things happen that, that, we, that wasn't our intention. Uh, but here we see that um, it says that Mephibosheth even has a son. And we'll look at that in, uh, in verse 12 here in a minute. But as we go on here, Ziba tells David that Mephibosheth is crippled in both feet. Why would he tell him that? Why does David need to know that? Or why would he tell him? Why would he even put that out? Well, I guess there's two things it could be. You know, uh, perhaps he told David that because uh, he wants David to know, hey, this guy's no threat to you. You know, you don't have to worry about him. You know, he, he, he is not able to, to rise up any kind of resistance against you. He's crippled on both feet. Or perhaps he's telling David, hey, David, you don't want to mess with him. You can't get anything from him. You know, he's not going to be any benefit to you. Uh, he's just a cripple. But Ziba knows of Mephibosheth's state. You know, and even though he knows that, like I said, this has gone on for 15 or 16 years. He knows of his state, but there's no record here that Ziba ever tried to do anything for Mephibosheth for Mephibosheth. You know, but David, this is an old promise. Like I said, this promise was made 15, 16 years earlier. And yet David still, he wants to honor that promise. You know, do we have any old promises that we still do need to make good on? Uh, you know, I'd like there in Acts where it talks about David. You know, his testimony was that he wanted to do good. That's the kind of testimony that I want to have. You know, I like what Matthew Henry said. He says, good men should seek opportunities of doing good. How true that is. You know, David's thoughts are contrary to the world's thoughts. David said, I, I, I want to seek out that I may do good. What was Saul's, Saul's thoughts? His thoughts were, I want to seek out that I can kill somebody. Anybody that's a, a threat to me, like David, uh, I want him dead. And you think about Herod. Herod was the same way. I want to go worship the young child. When they didn't come back, what did he do? He killed off all those male Israelite boys from two years old and down. But uh, in verse 4 here it says, And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the, the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Now, Maker took care of Mephibosheth, and I'm assuming that he did this for that whole period of time. So he seems to be a very kind and generous man. Uh, we see that, or we can give thought that, you know, David probably recompensed him for his goodness towards Mephibosheth. That's the kind of person David was. You know, and even later on, Lord willing, if we get there in chapter 17, you know, David was running from Absalom. And we see that David and, uh, and, uh, and Micah, uh, 
they, he runs back into him uh, again there. And uh, when he's running from Absalom, and Michael helps David out. But it says, talks here about Lodabar. Now, you have to get a picture of where he's staying at. You know, he wasn't staying, you know, in the uh, Roosevelt down there in New Orleans at whatever that is, so many hundred dollars a night. He's in Lodabar. Lodabar was a place that meant no pasture. You know, sometimes in the in the in the summertime, uh, small shallow bodies of water will dry up, and it's kind of it's, it's kind of ironic to look at it. And you you see all the time you see this water on it. Now the water is all gone, and it's parched and it's broken up and the big cracks in it, almost like some of that clay that they had mixed in there with you know those big old chunks like that uh, in it. And that's the way that it looks. Uh, and but. This was a place of no pastures. Uh, we also see here about Lodabar. And I'm just trying to paint you a picture here. You know, in, in an old Western movie, you know, when you have it almost like a, a run-down, abandoned-type area, you know, you'll go riding your horse into the area, and first thing that happens, a tumbleweed goes across there, and you, you look up there, and here's a sign that's hanging by one side, and it says, Welcome to Hopelessville. And that's that's pretty much what Lodabar was. It was a it was a place of you know today I guess what we'd call is just the slums or the ghettos. Here was a place of of uh, you know I guess what we would reference to is perhaps when you see in some of these areas these drug addicts are laid out on the street for days, you know, and you think about that, and 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 my heart goes out there because I have to think about. But for the grace of God, that's me. That's me out there. You know, and it, and it, and it hurts me when I see the people are bathing off a garden hose and back to church, and I don't know what they're eating, and they could be in here, you know, but they love the drugs more than they love anything else. And it's so sad. So sad. But what we see in Lodabar is lost unskilled, uneducated, really outcast, just living off and dependent upon uh, on someone else. But Mephibosheth's state of being, he was poor. He had nothing. He was really an outcast. Uh, I don't know if he was hiding as a fugitive, uh, you know, hoping that David wouldn't find out where he's at. But there was no hope, no future, no retirement, no 401. And then in verse 5, it says, Then King David said, sent, and fetched him out of the house of Machir, Machir, uh, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. David sends and fetches him. Oh, what a message there is in that. I mean, David the king, he says, go get him. Go get him. It wasn't an invitation. It wasn't a request. He said, now, I don't know if it went to Ziba or one of the men, but David says, go get him. I don't know if you've ever done, had, had to, been called for jury duty, but you know what they do there. Their first order of business is to take attendance. Baker here, Brown here, Smith here, Jones here. Um, 
whoever, you know, um, uh, Mr. White, Mr. Johnson, names off three or four people, goes on, and you start hearing the hears again. He gets finished, and the judge says, okay, thank you all for coming, doing your civil duty. Uh, those who did not uh, weren't here today, he said, bailiff, go ahead and, and uh, get arrest for their get a warrant for their arrest. And you know what? They come knocking on your door about 4 a.m. I haven't had it happen. I've had people I worked with that's had it happen. They didn't show up for work that day. Didn't call. Nothing. Well, they had jury duty and they didn't show up. It's not a request. It's not an invitation. Go and fetch them. And they do. And, and you know, I don't have anything to base some of this stuff on. Some of it's just me thinking about it over and over and over. But, you know, he said, go fetch him. What did fetch him in? Well, I think about those thousand horses that they took in one of those victories, those chariot horses uh, and horsemen in one of the victories. And it says, and they hocked all the rest of them, remember? So perhaps they were used for that. But in verse 6 and 7, it says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. One day everybody's going to bow the knee before our Lord Jesus Christ, the King, the Lord of Lords. You know, as the writer of Hebrews says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What a fearful thing to stand in our own righteousness, for anybody to stand in the righteousness. A very fearful thing. Now, you know, David says, fear not. Why would you think that Mephibosheth was shaken when he went before David and perhaps stuttering yes sir well what would you think if a whole group of men show up and said hey the king wants to see you and you don't you don't know anything about the conversation David had about wanting to show kindness I mean you're going to think he's finally caught me you know I'm the last of the family and they'll probably kill my son also uh, so, you know, or wouldn't you be proud? Would you think, oh, well, he must be coming because he sees something good in me. Now, who thought like that? Haman thought like that. You know, when they said, hey, we want a banquet set up and we want to honor somebody. Remember what Haman said? He said, to whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? Well, Haman, you got three guesses who it might be. And he says, it's got to be me. And I said, nope. Ask him a second time. It, you're messing with me. It's me. Nope. Got one last chance. Surely it's me. I mean, that's how proud he was. And you know what happened. But most people would think if somebody shows up like this, they would think, I'm a dead man. And I think Mephibosheth probably felt that way. You know, this is going to be my last days. David's surely going to kill me. And David sees the fear in Mephibosheth's eyes. 
And he compassionately says, fear not. For let me tell you what my intentions are for you. He said, I will surely, surely show you the kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Not for yours, but I made an agreement with your father. So I'm going to do this because of someone else. You know, and everything that Saul had, it's going to be restored back to you. And you're going to be adopted into my family. You're going to have a place at my table every day to be able to sit there and eat at my table. You know, probably at that table, he talked to Mephibosheth. And he probably told Mephibosheth what kind of father he had. Mm -hmm. He said, your father was a fierce warrior. Your father was my best friend. I miss your dad. He was a good man. And you know what, Mephibosheth? You'd look like him. And every day we sat here at this table, you remind me of him. Mephibosheth, you know one thing? You're never going to be alone. You're going to have companionship. You're going to have communionship. You're going to have security here in my house. You know, that Psalms 23. You know, the greatest benefit to me in this covenant is that of never being alone. And it never expires. It's all because of what somebody else did. So also we see here an interesting thought. David didn't have to do this. I mean, you think about the promise. You know, we went today and and uh, and had our will made out and they're going to file it in the court and all that. There was nothing documented about this between David and Jonathan. It's only David and Jonathan knew about it. Oops. No, God knew about it. David honored that that agreement. You know, at, at sometimes at weddings you'll hear him say, uh, preacher may say something like, before God and all these witnesses. Well, there was only three there that day. There was David, Jonathan, and God. Verse 8 says, And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? You know, this is the attitude of a truly repentant sinner who is saved by grace. Why would a great God save an undeserving sinner like me? You know, nothing in my heart or nothing in my hands I bring simply to what someone else has done do I cling. Mephibosheth says, I'm nothing. I can't work for it. I'm of no benefit to King David. He says, I'm a dog. And we've talked about this before. It's not like the puppy dogs that we have for pets. A dog is not... Uh, uh, something that's to be cherished or something that somebody uh, was speaking nicely about. It was something that was despised. It's almost like a, a, a wolf or a coyote or something. It's just a, a, a scavenger type animal. 
something that has rabies, something that's flea infested, it's mean, it's smelly, it's ugly, garbage-eating garbage dog. Mephibosheth never looked at it as something. When David said all this, he didn't look at it and say, you know what? Since I was related to him, yeah, this is what I should have. This is It's my right to have all this stuff back because I'm, I'm Saul's grandson. He didn't look at it that way. He didn't say, it's, it's about time I finally get my fair share. No, that's not the way he looked at it at all. Verse 9 says, Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. So we see what a blessing it is here for uh, Mephibosheth. But you know, one of the things that we see here is clear communication. David says, hey, I'm not telling somebody to tell you to tell somebody else. You know, I'm telling you, this is what I want done. Clear communication, no third party, no misunderstanding. You got Ziba and Sons, LLC. You know, they received the contract. You can look at that contract. Or he receives the command. Uh, but Ziba benefits from this as well. But he says, you take care of Mephibosheth's land. You take care of the crops. He says, but I'm going to take care of Mephibosheth. And, and Ziba seems to be happy with the agreement. Because he says, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But you know, and we'll find out down the road that Ziba's really a snake in the grass. He is, he is, we'll see what happens down the road where he lies about Mephibosheth, and he gets all the the the, the agreements kind of changed. But we'll get into that uh, when we get there. But you look at the character of Ziba, and the true and genuine character of Mephibosheth. When we get into those couple of passages about that, how are we going to be able to tell who's telling the truth? We look at the response. You know, just as in. In First Kings, I think, when when the two ladies brought the baby there, and they want to cut him in half, and it's kind of a similar situation that's going to come up. And I'll just kind of give you the the just the the ending part of it. You know, when it comes to it, he says, "Okay." You know, at one time David says, "Okay," uh, everything goes to Ziba. You know. He didn't show up. You've got to re you said that he's trying to rebel against me. You've got it all. Later on, he finds out and uh, Mephibosheth's side of it. Mephibosheth says, no, that's not true. He, he, you know, everything was gotten ready and he took off and left me and I had no way of getting here. Dave said, well, I don't know. 
which one it is. He said, so we're going to split it in half. You get half of it, and you get half of it. And you know what Mephibosheth's response was? He says, oh, let him take it all. Let him take it all. I'm satisfied because I'm with you, David. I'm happy with that. So we see here, we'll just finish this out. And verse 12 says, And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was laying on both his feet. So I looked at this, you know, all benefited. Everybody there benefited from the grace that was shown unto Mephibosheth. His sons, his heritage. Ziba actually benefited from it. And then there in verse 13, you know, amazing love. How can it be? Mephibosheth didn't love David for the material things that he had given him, but he loved David because of the undeserving grace and mercy David showed to him. Oh, is that not so true of us and what God has done for us? Amazing love, how can it be? Father, we thank you for your word, how precious it is. Lord, I pray that it will be as David and we'll look for folks that we can show kindness to, share the gospel with, is the greatest kindness. But Lord, we don't want to just say we'll pray for you if we can be a benefit. We want to help folks as much as we were able and, and wisdom in that. Lord, we're, we're so thankful for what you've done for us. Lord, amazing love. Truly, how can it be? Lord, we're just thankful that we can dwell on it think about it and Lord it ought to stir up within us Lord such a desire to want to to praise you that much more Lord now we thank you for it all in Christ's name Amen